All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. Sound teaching called A Hearing Heart. A Hearing Heart. Now, why I think the Lord uh, wanted me to go to this particular teaching is because, um, you know, I think that this is something in my life that the Lord is even showing me that I can improve on. There's a lot of things that, you know, I might go through throughout the day, and there's things that I do that, I don't even consider a big deal, but the Lord is showing me more and more in my walk every single day why it's important that we have hearing hearts. There are times the Lord can tell us, hey, Sister Sarah, he can tell us, you know, I need you in prayer right now. I need you for intercession. And if we go into intercession, maybe like an hour or, you know, after this text or after this phone call or whatever it is that I want to do, hey, Sister Teresa, if I want to do, you know, anything after that, then I realize as it prolongs what the Lord wants to do with me. There are times that the Lord may even tell me to give a particular person something, but because I'm one that may be caught up in myself and I can't hear his voice throughout the day, I won't do it. You know, I will begin to, hey, Sister Naima and uh, Servant Michael, you know, but it's just one of those things that the Lord is showing me in my life about being sensitive to his spirit, to do the things that he calls me to, because, man, he's really been whipping my butt with this, you know, these last few weeks. Times he's told me, hey, I need you in prayer. I need you to do things. And, you know, I'm off doing something else. You know, I'm answering a call for someone. I'm praying for someone. You know, I might be studying a little longer than he wants me to because he's calling me to do something for him. There are times that, you know, he's even told me, I want you to give this person something, someone on the street. And I may have that, you know, well, I, I do have things that I need to do for me. And, you know, I might give that person a little something, but it's not what God told me to give. You see, all these things are dangerous, which we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks as far as sensitivity to the spirit, knowing when to pray because God put you in prayer, knowing when to fast because God calls you to one knowing when to get into your word, because there may be something that he wants to show you that may be a life's lesson for today, and also how to keep yourself out of sin and to follow along with what God calls you to do. All these things are important. All these things are necessary. There's so much that we take for granted, but what causes a person to backslide, what causes a person to not yield to God and do the things that God wants is because we need hearing hearts. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. We need sensitivity in the spirit. We need to be able to know how God is feeling on a particular situation and to wait long enough for him to put his words in our mouths. That's just so important, guys, because, you know, that the, the things that I'm naming right now is not even regarded by many people as sin. But I'm telling you, as you go through this level of sanctification and serving God and doing the things that he wants you to, he'll begin to show you how fine sin is. You know how the, how the Lord talks about secret faults, secret sins, presumptuous sins. Those are things I've got in a week or so that I'm going to be talking about. But, you know, these are areas in our lives that the devil can get in. If you guys look at Adam and Eve, for an example, I mean, all it took was for them to look at the tree and to desire it, which is what the devil wanted. And their hearts departed from the Lord. So we can't afford to fool around and do the things that we want. 
We have to pursue what God wants. We have to be able to hear. We've got to be available. We need clarity of mind. We need these things in our lives to be able to hear what God is telling us, okay? Because when Jesus tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, when Jesus says, you know, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, you know, when Jesus tells us that his words are spirit and they are life, then we need to get in line with what the Lord wants and pursue him and do the things that he wants. So that way we can stay in line with the Lord, okay? Because as we go through this thing, the Lord is gonna show us different levels of obedience. All obedience won't be the same. You know, they will all have to do with obeying God, but there are things that he might even want you to think at a particular time to be able to do something. So this is what we're gonna be talking about tonight. We're gonna get many examples of what a hearing heart is and why it's important that you and I have one because we can't go beyond what we can hear. When Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments, if you don't know what he's commanding you to do, how can you do it? When you don't understand the heart of God and what he's, he's requiring for you to feel and to go in line with what he wants, how can we do these things? So you see, we need hearing hearts. A hearing heart is like an understanding heart. A hearing heart is connected to God that when he calls you to do something, you can be instant. Remember how Paul says to be instant, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. How can you do it if you can't hear? So we must have sensitivity in the spirit to obey God and do what God says. I'm gonna go into two scriptures, okay? And then from there, we're gonna go right into the lesson. So let's look at Proverbs chapter four. I haven't forgotten to pray. I'm just, you know, being led to go here. But you know, Proverbs chapter four. And let's look at verse 23. Look at what Solomon says through inspiration of the spirit. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Look at the word diligence. That's H 4929. It means place of confinement, prison, guard, jail, a guard post, a watch, observance, jail, prison, guardhouse, guard, guard post, acting of guarding and observances. So this is talking about being watchful. This is talking about, you know, putting a barrier between your heart and whatever it is out here in this world. And he tells us to guard their hearts, guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So we must understand that we've got to fall in line with what God wants. Hey, Sister Tara, we've got to fall in line with what God wants. We've got to guard our hearts. Because like I talked about uh, last week, your heart can attach itself to anything. And when your heart has attached itself to that thing, you become one with that thing. There is no such thing as you know, letting your heart just roam free and not believing that it will attach itself to something. It most certainly will. And that's why we've got to guard our hearts with all diligence because out of that will flow the issues of life, all the things that life is dealing with. It's either to allow us to you know, stay with the source of life, which is Christ, or to go towards death, which are the cares of this life. So we must treat our hearts in that special place as a temple, one that we don't want broken into, one that we don't want to violate, and we don't want to cheat on the Lord 
with our hearts just roaming free. Hey, brother Randy. So you see, that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're going to be talking about, a hearing heart. Look at one other scripture before we get in. Go to Jeremiah 17. Look at Jeremiah 17 and look at verse nine. And by the way, guys, thank you for your prayers, okay? Because my brother, uh, brother-in-law, Randy, he was, my sister said a couple of days ago, you know, out of it, not even able to walk. He would wobble. And the following day, he's walking around the uh, hospital doing 20 laps around the hospital. And then today, I think he's doing a lot better than that. And he's on his way to just transferred to rehab. So, you know, we got to understand what the Lord is doing here. You know, how the Lord is, man, you know, he's, he's healing my, bro my brother-in-law, Randy. So we appreciate your prayers. And I remember the doctors were, um, my sister told me yesterday, were asking, you know, why is it that, you know, that they were surprised that he can go from just barely hobbling to walking around the hospital and uh, my sister said, I wasn't surprised because we know the Lord, you know, and that's exactly how we got to be. We've got to know the Lord, okay, and be prayerful. So look at Jeremiah 17, look at verse nine. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So he says the heart, he didn't say your heart, he didn't say anybody else's heart, the heart itself is deceitful. Look at the word deceitful as if we don't know, but let's get the biblical definition. This is H6121. And that word is deceitful, sly, insidious, you know, uh, slippery, a uh, foot track, steep or hilly. That means the heart can attach itself one minute and be detached. That means the heart can look at a wicked situation and call it righteous. And that means that the heart can look at a righteous situation and call it wicked. So he says the heart is deceitful above all things, not just some things. The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. He says, who can know it? No man can know his own heart. No man can know his own way. It takes the heart of Jesus Christ and the mind of Jesus Christ to be able to do what Jesus Christ says. We need a new nature. We need to be born again. We need to be full of the spirit to know what God wants. We need to commune with God through fasting and prayer and getting into his word to know what is right and wrong. We need the spirit of God to have our senses exercised to be able to discern both good and evil. So when he says the heart is deceitful above all things, not just some, and desperately wicked, he says, who can know it? The only one that can truly know our hearts is God. And how does he show us what's in our heart? From our words, from the things that, you know, uh, from his word, actually, and from our own words, because the Bible also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And we can't make excuses for this. We need to be transparent. We need this word, which is a mirror unto us, to show us what is in us, that we may walk with God and serve God. So thank you, Jesus, you know, for your prayers and every, everything, everyone. But let's get right into this lesson as we talk about a hearing heart. So let's pray and let's get right into this lesson. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for another day, another day not promised to us. 
And we ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time with my brothers and sisters, both near and far, that you have given us yet another day that we may be partakers in your word, that we may be edified by your spirit, that we may choose life and not death. And I just pray, Lord, in this teaching that no man's heart be heard tonight, that no flesh be glorified tonight, Lord, but only through the Holy Ghost, that great comforter, Lord, we pray that we invite him to come and we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you send him, that he may bring us into all truth and righteousness. And he is the only true teacher that we need. And we just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name that you send the comforter, that you send the Holy Ghost, that he may give us new hearts and new understandings and new revelations as to what you have called your people to do in this current hour. And I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you open the minds, that you open the hearts, that you open the eyes and ears, that we may see what you have called us to, and that we may hear what you want us to hear. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's get right into this lesson. I want to go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115, and then from there we'll get in. Psalm 115. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So this is Psalm 15, or 115, sorry, 115. And we'll begin at verse one. And he says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. So notice David here is saying, not unto us, O Lord. No man gets the glory in this. Not unto us, but unto thy name. Give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Look at verse two. He says, wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased, amen. Their idols, he's talking about the heathen, are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but speak not. Uh, eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. So this tells us that the Lord needs to have preeminence in our lives and to show us exactly what we need to do for him. We need to reverence God above all because he makes clear that these idols of the heathen, of the unbeliever, of the Gentiles, those who know not God, he says that their idols are silver and gold, you know, and made with men's hands. These things walk, these things can't even walk. These things can't even really talk. They can't even feel 
what God feels or what you feel, but we put a lot of stock in them. I'll give you an example, a tablet. Now it's nice to be able to look stuff up here and read on it and do all this, but then if this thing is an idol to me, look at what it's like. This thing can't work by itself. You can't just put it down and all of a sudden it'll start doing things for you. It won't start thinking the way that you think. You've got to put something in it in order to get something out of it. Well, we got to understand as far as God is concerned, he says, they that make them, that means that build them and worship them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. So we've got to look in our lives and see where there are idols. We got to see things that we put stock in that really have no true power, nothing that can really get anything done. We've got to look at these idols that may be in our lives because for those idols that we make, we are just like. Just how these things can't even speak, you can't speak. Just how they can't even feel, you can't feel. You can become desensitized to God by the amount of idols that you have in your life. Like when God calls you to pray and you're like, one more minute, let me finish watching this football game. I wanna see this last play. You see that last play is more important to you than getting on your knees before the Lord. And if that is your idol, then you are just like it. If your idols are, are stone and silver and gold, you are your heart will be just like those idols. That's why we must be careful what we attach ourselves to, because when we do, we can't hear or feel what God wants us to. You become cold and callous, just like the idols that we have in our lives. So he says in verse nine, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. So you see fear of the Lord, God will bless. Why? Because a fearful child will be an obedient child. When we're obedient, we give God preeminence in our lives. We love the Lord our God as the first and great commandment of the law with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls and our strength. We really don't have room to love anything else. We will love things second, but we first got to give our hearts to the Lord because the Lord will even tell you if you're idolizing your wife or your husband or your children when you're putting things before him. Nothing should have preeminence in our lives above the Lord. So for them that fear the Lord, both small and great, God will bless. How do we know if we fear God? We will obey him. Look at verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. So God won't just build you up. God will even build up your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down to silence. So let's look at verse 17 again. He says that the dead praise not the Lord. Look at the word dead, that's H4191. That word means to die, kill, or have one executed. And I wanna to get to another one where it talks about to kill, put to death, 
dispatched to be killed, to die prematurely. So those that are dead, or it says um, uh, to die prematurely, prematurely, sorry, by neglect of wise, of wise morale or conduct. So the point here being made is yes, if you're dead, you can't praise God. But the point is too, if you're dead in the heart, if you're dead in spirit, you can't praise God either because you don't know him. So this is something that we need to pay attention to. The dead, they don't praise God, neither any that go down to silence. What does he mean? Those that go down to death or down to the pit or down to the grave, okay? They can't praise the Lord either. He says, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So as you can see, when your heart is after God, you're gonna praise him. You're going to bless him. God will be everything to you. But if God is not everything to us, there's only one reason for it. It's because we do not love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Something else has got preeminence in your life. Something else is taking control over your heart and you can't give God what he desires, which is you. You give him pieces, you may give him work, you may give him time, you may give him a sermon, but you're not giving him the body that he requires to use to do what he needs to do with it. And that comes from hardness of heart. That comes from not having a hearing heart because God most certainly wouldn't tell you to put things in preeminence over him and spending time with him. So whatever it is that's got our hearts, that's got our attention, it has a lot to do with not having a hearing heart. A hearing heart is an understanding heart, okay? And if we truly have an understanding heart, we're gonna know what God wants. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter four. First Timothy four, now look at what Paul tells Timothy and, and how this makes so much sense as to what we're talking about. He says, now the spirit, that's a capital S, which is the Holy Ghost, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Do you know what's so funny? A lot of us equate this to ministry. You know, they equate this to false prophets and false pastors and teachers, but he doesn't just say doctrines of devils here being preached, but he says seducing spirits. Look at the word seducing. This is G4108. That word means wandering, roving spirit, a misleading spirit, spirits that lead into error, vagabond spirits, tramp spirits, imposter spirits, corrupter spirits, and deceiver spirits. So you see, a, a seducing spirit doesn't have to be in a pastor to, to get people to depart from the faith. A seducing spirit can even be around that influences you not to follow the ways of God. When you seduce, you entice, you lure in. Look at the devil, he wasn't a preacher, but what he did was he got Eve to look at the fruit. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the odds and a tree to be desired to make one wise, then she took the fruit and he ate. I mean, and she ate and she gave to her husband and he ate because I'm sure the same seduction that the devil lured Eve into, Eve used that same seduction unto Adam. Now I'm not trying to add my own spin to it, but it only makes sense. 
that which you agree with or that which you yield your members to, you become one with. So as you can see, it was the enticement and the seducing spirit, which was the devil that caused man to fall in the first place. But if you look at the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, they're gonna cause many people to depart from the faith. This is why we must guard our hearts because if we're not after what God wants and we're following our own hearts, it's gonna lead us away from God. Look at verse two, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So look at what the seared conscience is. This is G2743. And that word means to mark by branding, to brand or branded with their own consciences. So you're branded with your own conscience, that which you want, whose souls are branded with the marks of sin, who carry about uh, with them the perpetual conscience of sin. Seared, in a medical sense, to cauterize, remover by cautery. So in other words, to have your conscience cut up, to have it disconnected from God, and not even to feel what anyone normal with any human emotion would feel. This is why we must be careful what we put in, because if we allow these things to connect to us, then our consciences can become seared. What happens when you commit enough abortion? What happens when you sin enough? As a matter of fact, guys, before you even born again, look at how certain sins didn't even bother you because your conscience was seared. So we must be careful to get in line with God and have a sensitivity to the spirit. When the Lord tells you to do a thing, you do it. When the Lord tells you to not do a thing anymore, you stop doing it. Because if not, as you go on and on through the seduction, through the sin, and that becomes normal to you, your conscience will sear. And when your conscience is seared, forget it, you can't hear God. You're just gonna go on and do what you've been doing because it feels right to you. So that's something that we must. As a matter of fact, the word here for seared means, in the Greek, um, it says it's cauteriazo. That's like cauterized, you know, or to separate or to cut away. So we don't want to have our consciences seared because a conscience is one of the ways that God speaks to us through our hearts. That's when we're in the wrong place and the Lord says, hey, you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't do this. And even when you've committed sin, why did you do that? You know, and that's that guilt and that shame you feel. It's as it's, it's awful as that can feel. Thank God you still have it because there's going to come a point when that will go away if you continue in the ways that are wrong. And then all of a sudden you can't hear God. We're gonna get an example of this and what this is like and what causes this, all right? We're gonna get an example of someone that did this. Let's go to, uh, I wanna go to 1 Kings chapter three. 1 Kings chapter three. Man, you know, when God tells you to do a thing, when you commune with him, you don't even have to understand why. If you love the Lord as you claim, then stop doing it, okay? I mean, Lord will give you understanding as to why he doesn't want you to do it. But if you continue to go forward and do it, then you're going against the restrictions of the Holy Ghost. God knows why he gives us instruction for every little thing, but we don't listen to him, then we're just gonna keep going. And after a while, the resistance of the Holy Ghost will start to break off of you. 
because you're not listening anyway. That's dangerous territory for us. So look at 1 Kings 3 and look at verse 1. It says, and Solomon made affinity, sorry, and Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in his statutes of David or in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So as you can see, it made clear here that Solomon loved God. And it says that he walked in the same statutes as his father, David, only he was able to make those sacrifices because of the fact that they had a temple. Look at verse four. And the king went to Gibeon uh, to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place, a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give thee. So another way that God communicates with us, guys, is in dreams. God can speak to us in dreams. He can show us dreams. And many times when we're not doing things right for the Lord, God can appear to you in a dream. Don't look at it like it's just a nightmare. That can be God trying to tell you to stop doing something. But anyway, look at verse six. And Solomon said, thou hast shewed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart uh, with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. So David walked, or Solomon walked like David walked in uprightness. David was known as a man after God's own heart. If you really wanna know how deep your heart is with the Lord, all you've got to do is read the Psalms of David and see how our hearts compare to his. I mean, David would cry out, David would plead, Lord, give me a new heart. Lord, don't stay there dwelling between the cherubim. Come down here, you know? And I mean, how many of us want God that bad? How many of us have got hearts that much for the Lord that when we start to feel a little disconnected, it's time to get back in your closet? Look at verse seven. And now the Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. He says, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people uh, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this, judge this thy so great a people. Man, this is beautiful. Solomon could have asked the Lord for anything. The Lord came unto him and said, what do you want me to do for you? What shall I give thee, Solomon? And Solomon says, I am but a child. I don't know whether to go in or come out. But he says, you know, you have made me king. And he says, man, give your servant an understanding heart. Look at the word understanding. 
That's H8085. That word means to hear, to listen, to obey, to perceive, uh, to consent, to agree, to grant a request, to listen to, you know, to be heard, to cause to hear. So an understanding heart is a hearing heart. This is what Solomon asked for. And why did he ask for it? Look at verse nine again, to judge thy people. Now, some people could say, well, we're not supposed to judge. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter two, okay, and I believe it's in 14 or 15 says, he that judgeth, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. But who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So what was Solomon asking for here pretty much? The mind of Christ, to do what? To judge people. When you're a king, you're put in a position where you've got to rule over and judge the people. He says that I may discern between good and bad, but who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? So Solomon knew, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need to see things the way that you see it. I need to feel it the way that you feel it. So that's what he asked for. And look at verse 10. And the speech and what Solomon said, pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and has not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked for riches, or ask riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Man, that's a beautiful thing. He asked, okay, for a hearing heart. And he could have asked for long life, the Lord is saying here, because that's what most men want. He says, neither did he ask for riches. That's the other thing that men want. I need riches for myself. And he says, nor hast thou asked the life of thine enemies, you know, praying vengeance on somebody else, but they ask for understanding and discernment. Man, we need hearing hearts. He says, behold, I have done according to thy words, lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there is none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I also... And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there, uh, there shall not be uh, any among kings like unto thee all thy days. So God is saying, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get a sense. I mean, I don't know if anybody else is feeling this, but God wants you to get into his thing. Like, like Jesus said, first seek ye the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. But you see, God knows what's in the heart because Solomon desired God and wanted to give everything over to God. And all he knew was God, Lord, let me hear and let me understand what you want for me. Because of that, God says, man, you could have asked for all this stuff, but I'll tell you what, Solomon, I'm gonna give you wisdom you know, beyond any man that I ever put on this earth outside of Jesus. And there will be none like you, but I am also going to add unto you riches and treasure because he pleased God. 
Do we not understand that if we please God, that God will take care of every single need? So we don't have a need for idols in our lives. We don't have a need for things that we think are going to sustain us. All you and I have got to do is please God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe in verse 9, if I'm wrong, Sister Sarah, correct me again. But he says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. All you and I have got to do is give our hearts to the Lord, fall in love with Jesus, give Jesus every single piece, and Jesus Christ will see to it that we never lack. But if we put our trust in other things, we will be dealing with those things ourselves. This is so important that we get a grip on why we should love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is not for riches. This is not to be made to, to be given long life. This is not for to sustain us, but we give our hearts to God because God deserves it. So I was spot on. Thank you, Sister Sarah. But man, that's what this is all about. Having God's wisdom, having a hearing heart, pleasing the Lord. And when we have pleased him, man, there's nothing that God wouldn't do for his people. And that includes do anything that we want. I mean, that is in accordance with his will. So look at, um, look, that was Solomon asking the Lord. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. Hey, brother Daryl. I'm sorry about that, guys. I get a little excited sometimes because, you know, everything God wants to give us is in his word. Everything we need of God is in his spirit. We just got to yield the vessel so that God can use it. Thank you, Jesus. Look at 1 Kings 11. Look at verse 1. It says, but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. So as you can see, Solomon's uh, Pharaoh's daughter was still Solomon's wife. He took her in. God didn't ask him to do that. That was something that he chose. But because the Lord loved Solomon, I'm not going to say God excused it. Solomon knew the rules. But Solomon at the time loved the Lord and he was following the Lord. Now we're hearing in 1 Kings 11, not only did Solomon love God, now Solomon loves many strange women. What is strange? Strange is not like God. Strange is unsaved. Strange is the heathen or the Gentile, those that don't associate with God. So now Solomon's heart is on these strange women, and he's marrying the women of the Moabites and the Ammonites and Edomites, the Zidonians and the Hittites that were all enemies of the children of Israel. And it says, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them. So the law had already said, and the Lord said, don't deal with the children of these foreign tribes. He says, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave, he drew nigh to these, you know, he held on to these women in love. So as you can see, the Lord knew that whatever we, we put our hearts with, it's going to cause us to separate from him. Now you see why God doesn't want idols. 
all of Sodom, Solomon's wives are, I mean, they were real wives, but they were also symbolic for idols. How do I know this? Because the Lord says in, in James 4 and 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, he was speaking to his people. He says, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Whosoever shall be a friend of the world will be the enemy of God. So as you can see, Solomon began to love the Lord, but he claved to these strange women in, in love. And these women were not, okay, the women of God. So, you know, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Look at verse three. And he had 700 wives. This guy lost his mind, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So as you can see, that which he made his heart one with, you know, he became the servant of. He's no longer serving the Lord. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not made perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So we're getting a complete different testimony of Solomon from when he began in this thing, anointed of God, made king and blessed beyond any other man. But Solomon needed more than the Lord. He needed all of these strange women to make him feel good. And when he did this, his heart departed from the Lord. Okay, this is something we can all learn from and getting understanding of. These are what idols do to us in our daily lives and all that we do. Look at verse five. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth. What is Ashtoreth? The female goddess of the Zidonians and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. What we're pretty much experiencing here or what we're hearing about is Nimrod and his wife. Okay, you've got Nimrod who was all these different names, Milcom, Nebo, I mean, you know, whatever, Baal, you know, all those were, were Nimrod. And then you might have Ashtoreth, Diana, who a lot of people worship um, in church is Easter, you know, and all these different things. These are the same idols that Solomon is clinging on to. Look at verse six, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. So you see, first Solomon welcomed something in his heart that God told him to stay away from. Then second, Solomon began to serve their gods. I mean, well, he married these women and loved them and his heart turned away from the Lord. And now his heart didn't just turn from the Lord, his heart began to serve other gods. So Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. So he was coming after God, but he wasn't following God fully. What was Solomon? He was lukewarm. Okay, after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high place for Shemash, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, uh, the, the abomination of the children of Ammon. So there you got it. The same two gods, Ashtoreth, okay, which is, you know, Semiramis, and you got Nimrod, his wife you know, right there in the midst. So he built a high place. Remember how it said in chapter three that Solomon built a high place to worship God. Now Solomon is building an altar for the enemies of God. How did this happen? Because Solomon let these things in his heart. 
It's the same thing with us. We can build a ministry. We can start a church. We can do whatever we do. But if that thing becomes an idol, you are going to put stock into that and not to God. It is easy for idols to seep in when our hearts are not fully, um, you know, uh, governed by God. Look at verse eight. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrifice unto their gods. So he became a compromised person. This is what's messing with the church today. The spirit of compromise. I don't want to talk about sin. I don't want to tell people this. Oh, God won't mind if I hang out with unbelievers. The Bible tells you that evil communications corrupt good manners. How can two walk together except they be agreed? But this is what Solomon thought he could do, which is why he's in the situation that he's in. Anyway, look at verse eight. And likewise did he for his strange wives was burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. The Lord had seen Solomon two different times and talked to Solomon. Solomon, change. Solomon, stop doing this. Solomon, I love you. Solomon, you're gonna you know, go away from what I'm calling you to. Look at verse 10. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. All it takes for us to do, guys, is to walk away from the will of God and serving God, not going according to God's word, not following God's spirit, to do things that we want to do, and it will make God, one, angry with you when you've got idols in your life, when you're giving things more time than God, because he says that I am a jealous God. But if we go on and continue to go, God will be angry. Look at verse 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and I will give it to thy servant. Man, notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. So as you can see, man, you know, God still loved David. God wanted to keep a covenant with Solomon, but because Solomon wouldn't yield, Solomon went his own way. God had taken away that anointing. God had taken the kingdom from him. These are things that we can see countless times when we allow things to go into our heart. What happened to Solomon? He lost that hearing heart. Why? Because he would not stay with the Lord. He went his own way. And when he went his own way, he departed from God. And then God eventually gave Solomon whatever he wanted. I mean, well, you know, Solomon went in his own way and God left him to it. Solomon fell away, guys. There's no account of Solomon being saved. This is the same man that, that wrote Proverbs talking about God, you guard your heart with all diligence because out of it will flow the issues of life. And he wrote Ecclesiastes, which talks about, you know, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You see, you don't, you don't think that we can just do things for God and not have our hearts linked with God and think we're gonna stay in good standing with him. We won't. Paul says, I have to buffet my body and I've got to bring it into subjection 
or I can preach the gospel and I myself can become a castaway. We don't want that in our lives, guys. Look at 2 Kings chapter 10. And we've got to love God. And you know how you love God? You begin to love God in obedience. What God calls you to do, start doing. Things that have nothing to do with him, kick out of your life. And you will begin to follow the Lord by nature. But you can't leave your idols in arm's reach and think that you're not going to touch them. You will. And that's why we've got to learn to repent and fully turn away from it, which will be tomorrow night's teaching about sackcloth and ashes. That's what we're gonna be talking about. But it's one of those things that we've got to look at is in total repentance. Repentance means to turn away from sin and walk in the ways of God. Not just turn your back to it, but push it out of your reach completely that you can stay in good standing with God because human nature, as we were already warned, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You can't even know your own heart, guys. That's scary. Second Kings chapter 10, guys, let's look at verse one. And Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria and Jehu wrote letters and sent to Samaria unto the rulers of Jezreel, uh, to the elders and to them that brought up Ahab's children saying, now as soon as this letter cometh to you, seeing your master's sons are with you, and there are with you chariots and horses and a fenced city also and armor. Look even not the best and meetest of your master's sons and set him on his father's throne and fight for your master's house. But they were exceeding afraid and said, behold, two kings stood not before him. How then shall we stand? So Jehu was a king that was like, you know, there were a few kings that were set up outside of, you know, what you would have called society or the institution. Jehu was one of them. Jehu was appointed by Elijah to become king and to do war with those kings that would not follow the Lord. He was meant to destroy everything concerning Baal to avenge the righteousness of God. Okay, so uh, he's asking, he's trying to set up all these kings and these people that worship Baal to, to destroy Baal. But, you know, the people that he's asking to do it are doubting. They're afraid because there are kings in the midst. Look at verse five. And he that was over the house and he that was over the city, the elders also and the bringers up of the children sent to Jehu saying, we are thy servants and will do all that thou shalt bid us. We will not make any king uh, do thou do thou that which is good in thine eyes. Then he wrote a letter the second time to them saying, if ye be mine, and if ye will hearken unto my voice, take ye the heads of the men, your master's sons, and come to me to Jezreel by tomorrow this time. Now the king's sons being 70 persons were with the great, were with the great men of the city, which brought them up. And it came to pass when the letter came to them that they took the king's sons and slew 70 persons and put their heads in baskets and sent him uh, them to Jezreel. So, you know, Ahab's own people were given a chance to flee away from Ahab because of all the wickedness he was doing, 
All they had to do was line themselves up with Jehu, obey Jehu, and to you know slay the uh, the sons of of uh, Ahab, and they would stay in good standing. In this case, Ahab is a type of Antichrist. Jehu is a type of Jesus Christ because Jehu's name means Jehovah is He. Okay, so these guys were switching allegiance. They were joining a. They were joining um, Jehu. And the first thing Jehu told them to do was to slay your master's family members, okay, like to um, his sons, so that way he could stay, they could stay in good standing with Jehu. So you see, one thing about our God is, the reason I brought this up, is that God, when you join his army, he's going to intend for you to go against those other armies. To prove your allegiance to the Lord or to be in line with him, you've got to part with those things that are not like God, okay? So look at verse uh, verse eight, I believe. It says, and there came a messenger and told him saying, they have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, lay ye them in two heaps at the entering end of the gate until the morning. And it came to pass in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, ye be righteous, behold, I conspired against my master, and slew him, but who slew all these? Uh, now uh, Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab, for the Lord hath done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. So Jehu slew all that remained in the house of Ahab in Jezreel, and all his great men and his kinsfolk and his priest until he left him none remaining. God also wants us to deal with our idols like this. He wants them to be taken out of our lives so there will be nothing remaining between us and God. So, you know, let's look at the revelation that he's given us in this. And he arose and departed and came to Samaria. And as he was at the shearing house in the way, Jehu met with, uh, with the brethren of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and said, who are ye? And they answered, we are the brethren of Ahaziah, and we go down to salute the children of the king and the children of the queen. Now, you know, Jezebel was just killed in the last chapter, so this is Jehu just cleaning house. And he said, take them alive. And they took them alive and slew them at the pit of the sharing house, even two and 40 men, neither left he any of them. And when he was departed thence, he lighted uh, on Johanadab, uh, the son of Rechah, meeting to meet him, and he, and he saluted him and said to him, is thine heart right as my heart as my heart is uh, with thy heart? And Johanadab answered, it is, if it be, uh, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand, and he took him up uh, to him into the chariot. So notice, while Jehu is dealing with uh, Johanadab, he tells him, he says, is your heart right like mine is right? And he said, yeah, my heart is right. So what did Jehu do? Jehu took him and put him up in the chariot. Okay, join my son. Remember how the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that when he says, um, don't, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what right hath Christ with Antichrist and all these different things 
light with darkness. And then he says, you know, uh, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And if you don't touch the unclean thing, what was the next thing he says? And I will receive you and you will be my sons and daughters. Okay. And, and you know, and, and that's how God takes us in. When we separate from sin, when we truly repent, when we desire to be with him, God takes you allows you to be born again and put you in his army, all right, to wage war against that which is unrighteous. See, God don't play both sides of the fence. So he says, uh, look at verse 16, and he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Uh, so they made him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he had destroyed him according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. And Jehu gathered all the people together and said unto them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve Baal much. <laughs> now therefore call unto me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let none be wanting, for I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But Jehu did uh, it in subtlety uh, to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. So Jehu invited all the prophets of Baal. He says, hey, Ahab served Baal a little. I'm gonna serve Baal much. I got a big old party. Invite all the prophets, priests, and kings of Baal, all those who love Baal and wanna serve them and bring them in. But Jehu did this in subtlety because he wanted them all in one place. You know, Brother Henry Groover passed away uh, this past Thursday. But I remember one day listening to one of his teachings when we met him. He came to one of our conferences. But the point that he made was he said that there were certain cities that God was yard farming, like he was drawing in certain people, you know, into certain cities because God meant to destroy them. And as you can see, uh, the names on this list of these cities, one of them was um, Portland, Oregon, okay? And you know, a lot of homosexuals flock here. A lot of people are coming here from someplace else that are living that lifestyle. I'm not saying people can't get saved. I'm just telling you what Henry Groover said. He said that they would come here. Portland, Oregon was on the list. He says Los Angeles and San Francisco were on the list you know, because of their wickedness, New Orleans before Katrina was on this list. And it's probably still on the list. He says Miami, Florida, New York, uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he, bring up a, he brought up a couple of other places, but he said that God was allowing the sinners to go into these areas that promote these things and God was bringing them there to destroy them. Now, some people could say, well, why didn't God save them? because these people don't have hearing hearts. You don't think a lot of people are being preached the gospel, a lot of people are being told, serve the Lord, go after Christ and do what God says. But if they choose not to, he's drawing them all into one place. And this is what it means when you hear in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, that he will not let until he be taken out of the way. And then he talks about God, because they would receive not the love of the truth, God would send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie, that they all might be damned 
because they do not want Christ. Okay, so this is what Jehu is doing. He's drawing all these people in who don't want God, who love Baal, and he's doing it in subtlety. Jehu's not wrong for this because you see, Jehu is only giving these people what their true heart desires. Anyone that's following Baal and not following God, you're following the path of destruction. So, you know, Jehu is just making it easy on him. Look at verse uh, 20. And Jehu said, proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. And they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel and all the worshipers of Baal came so that there was not a man left that came not. And they came into the house of Baal. So they knew it was the house of Baal and they went in. And the, and the house of Baal was full from one end to the other. And he said unto him, that was over the vestry, bring forth vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. And he brought forth vestments. And Jehu went uh, and Johanadab, the son of Rechab, into the house of Baal and said unto the worshipers of Baal, search and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. So this is interesting because when you look at this, Baal is saying, hey, if there's anybody in the Lord here, I'm giving them a chance to get out. But he's not letting them know that. He said, just make sure they're not in here. Just make sure there's Baal's people only. You know, this also reminds me of the coming of the Lord. When he sends forth his angels to separate the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, the righteous from the unrighteous, he says, for those who be wicked, let them be wicked still. For those who are dogs, let them be dogs still. For those who are liars, fornicators, adulterers, and all these things, let them be that way still. It's too late to change at this point at the coming of Christ. So this is something to look at here because this is judgment come to the house of Baal. This is why it's important that you and I are not in houses of Baal. We don't have idols of Baal. We don't you know, follow Baal in any particular way but our hearts are given over to the Lord. We need hearing hearts, guys. Look at verse 24. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed four score, that's 80 men without, and said, if any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. So he's making clear, you better not let anybody escape that's a part of this army of Baal, or I'll have your head. That's pretty much what he's saying. Look at verse 25. And it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and the guard and the captains uh, cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. Now you see right away, this teaching is about hearing hearts. So a lot of people are gonna look at what I'm saying and saying, you see, that's brutality. That's the kind of love that we don't need is people talking about people dying. We gotta understand the heart of God. God's got no tolerance for false idols. He's got no tolerance for backslide. I mean, well, he's got tolerance, but God don't want us to be in line with sin and love it. He doesn't want us to follow in the ways of sin. Our God is a jealous God. He says, hey, 
Choose you this day whom you will serve, Elijah told them in Mount Carmel. If you're gonna follow God, if God be Baal, then follow Baal. But if not, then follow the Lord. So there's gonna be no fence in the end times. God is only gonna be interested in who's going to serve me. That's why we've got to do away with the things that are not like God so that we can have all of God and give our hearts completely to the Lord. So look at what they did after they killed him. He says, and they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the image of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a draught house unto this day. So, you know, there's a slush factory, you may as pretty much say. But the point here too is, and I like to keep going back, sorry, to New Testament scriptures, but the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. For though we walk in the flesh, let us not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations. Now here they have images because they were idols, but today the devil works in the imagination. The imagination is what keeps us from serving God effectively. We can imagine that our God is different than he is. We can imagine a false Christ. So, you know, he says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And to do what next? And to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So they're removing all the images of Baal. They're breaking down the houses of Baal. They're tearing down every single image that is not like God to do what? To be able to have our hearts back in line with God. Look at verse 27. I believe I, I read that already. Verse 28, thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. How be it from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. So Jehu could have gone and destroyed the golden calves, but there was something about the golden calves or Jehu just got tired or Jehu just said, you know, that's enough killing. I don't want to do anymore. But Jehu began to walk in the ways of Jeroboam. All right, he did not destroy those golden calves that were in Bethel and Dan, which gave Baal once again a chance to resurrect in Israel the same way that idols can resurrect in our lives and take our hearts captive. Look at verse 30. And the Lord said unto Jehu, because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes and hast done unto the house of Ahab, according to all that was in mine heart, uh, thy children of the fourth generation uh, shall sit on the throne of Israel. So everything that Jehu did was in accordance with God's heart. That's why we must have hearing hearts because every single thing that's going to sound like, well, I don't think God would tell you to eliminate this. I don't think God would tell me to cut this person out of my life. I don't think God would tell me to you know, say these words in such a way that would hurt them. You better understand the heart of God. That's why we need hearing hearts because everything, everything that Jehu did went accordance to God and God was pleased 
with what he did. And God says, because you've obeyed, I'll see unto the fourth generation that your seed will sit on the throne of Israel. But look at verse 31. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord, God of Israel, with all his heart. For he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. So you see, even with all that work, we need hearing hearts to stay with the Lord because you see, Jehu didn't take heed. You know what Jehu's problem is? He wanted to serve God in ways that was pleasing for Jehu. Okay, but when it came down to following the Lord with all his heart, he couldn't do it. There was an area in Jehu's heart that was not like God. And when God commanded him to walk with him, you see how he couldn't do it? That's the same problem that we got today concerning the church and concerning the people of God. A lot of us love Jesus in church. We love Jesus' messages. We love Jesus' singing. You know, we love Jesus' offering. We love all that. But when Jesus says to take up your cross, if any man will come after me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow after me. If you don't love the Lord with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you won't pick up your cross and you will not walk with Jesus Christ. Because, and this is what uh, Jehu did. He peeled back all that hard work, but he didn't want to walk in the ways of God because there was a part of him that still had Baal in his heart. You and I have got to have hearing hearts. We've got to do what God desires, not what we desire, because if not, we won't do what God says. And what will that do? Make us the enemy of God. Look at Isaiah 46. We need hearing hearts. Isaiah 46, let's look at verse one. Isaiah 46 and one, it says Baal. That Baal is Baal, okay? So it says, Baal boweth down. Nebo stooped their idols. Uh, uh, Nebo stooped. Their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaded. They are a burden uh, to the weary beast. So you see there's Baal and Nebo. It's the same character. They're both Nimrod. But the point being brought here, he's saying that these idols have stooped. He says they stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even the whore's head or the old headed or gray headed, will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. So he's saying these people were carrying idols of Baal and idols of Nebo. And these, these idols are falling all over the place and weighing down the beast. They're not helping the burden or to lift the burden. They're adding to the burden. That's what our idols do to us. They add to the burden in our lives. They distract us from the true life of Christ. But he made clear here that he told them, even in your old age or even on your hoary head, I will carry you. I will make you to bear. I will carry and deliver you. So our God doesn't add burden to us. Our Lord lifts the burden and works through us. So he says in verse five, to whom will ye liken me? 
and make and make me equal and compare me that we may be like that we may be like or like he says they lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a god they fall down yea they worship they bear they bear him upon the shoulder they carry him and set him in his place and he standeth from his place shall he not remove yet one shall cry unto him yet can he not answer nor save him out of his trouble so these people are going through great lengths for these false idols like you and I do before God tells us what these idols are. Imagine me building a golden calf or building something to myself, okay? Something that looks just like me, God forbid. But imagine this is my idol. This is who I call to be my God. But if I wanna worship my idol, okay, I gotta bring him before me. Then I'm gonna pick up an idol that I call God, put on my shoulder and go back in one of my bedrooms so I can pray with this idol. And I got to carry it to the table so I can sit and have dinner with this idol. And I'm going to cry unto this idol as in, I love you so much. You're my God. You do all these things for me. And this thing can't even think, can't hear, can't even move. But this is my God. So the Lord is saying, this is crazy. They can't deliver you out of trouble. And that's why God's got to remind us through trouble that he is God. It's funny how we call ourselves doing the things we're doing and God will tell you to pray and you, oh, I ain't got time for that. I'll pray when I get back from the store. Or God will tell you, hey, why don't you fast? Yeah, I'll fast tomorrow, but right now I'm gonna enjoy this steak and shrimp and I'm gonna do everything that I wanna do. God will tell you do something else, but you can't do it. But when we get in trouble and when we're suffering pain and when we're hurt and when we don't have an answer, oh God, deliver me from everything that I'm in, please. You see, that's what God allows to remind you that he is God, that he sees the beginning from the end. But if we make him first in our lives, we won't have to do that. All we've got to do is hear him, obey him, and follow him. So anyway, he says in verse, uh, verse eight, remember this and shew yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, amen. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Praise the Lord, because you see, our God does see all things, but when we give all things to him, we can truly have hearing hearts. We can truly obey God. We can find out what God's will is in our lives. But if we put things and give them preeminence over the Lord, then we wonder why we can't hear God. It seems like I'm praying and I'm crying, Lord, but nothing is happening. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Are you righteous or are you an idolater that calls on God when you need him? These are things that we gotta figure out. So he says in verse 11, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted that are far from the righteous. Look at what he called the idolaters or those who put things before God. He called them stout-hearted. What is stout-hearted? That's hard-hearted. 
short of feelings, desensitized, will not follow God. The things that we should be feeling that the Lord feels, we don't. And this is what he means by stout-hearted. He says, hearken unto me that are far from the righteous. So the hard-hearted are not righteous people. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off and my salvation shall not tarry. And I will and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. So man, if we just yield to God, if we just pray to him, if we just believe him, if we take the time to hear him, man, God will do amazing things in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know, in your spare time, guys, because I know we got to move forward, let's go to Jeremiah 31. But in your spare time, read Ezekiel 3 that we talked about last week about how hard-hearted Israel was and how, you know, he sent Ezekiel to deliver them. And read Ezekiel 36 when it talks about that he would take the heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. That's the problem, guys. We've got stony hearts. We need the fleshly heart to feel what God has. How do we get that? Be born again. Spend time with the Lord. Get into what God wants, okay? Get into what he wants. Walk in the spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But look at Jeremiah 31. Because I noticed like the Lord was showing me something like, you know, these last couple of weeks, I haven't really been on it like that. You know, like instant, like desiring to, do what God says. You know, I, I just had this mentality lately, like slothfulness has come over me. And again, I'm asking the Lord, why am I feeling like this? And the Lord is like, because you're not spending time with me. You're not doing the things that I call you to. I noticed I was spending time with the Lord yesterday. You know, I gave him all day, just he and I. And the funny thing was I had to work later that night. So I went down to work, which is at a hotel. And one of the guys who was a bouncer, you know, that I used to bounce with back in the day, he saw me and he's still bouncing. So he came over to me. He was like, hey, what's up, D? How are things going? And I'm like, I'm good. He was like, yeah, I'm just working around the corner doing whatever. You know, I'm just making ends meet. You know, he's working at pretty much a, a dirty club, you know, but he's making ends meet, doing whatever, still bouncing. So, you know, we got in a conversation, we began to talk and I was like, you know, I'm glad to hear you, you know, doing all right. And he said to me, he was like, man, I miss you. He said, I only got one question for you. And I was like, what's that? He said, man, when is Derek gonna come around the corner and come to club dirty and hang out and party and chill? And I said, well, you'll never find me a club dirty. I said, I'm a minister. I'm a child of God. I don't engage in that stuff. And he was kind of embarrassed, you know, you can tell, but he was, you know, also in that mode of like, you know, well, you know, I could just see you dancing, doing whatever. I say, yeah, maybe once upon a time, but not in this new life that I'm living. I said, I'm not going to do it. I said, you should get to know the Lord. So get to know the Lord. He'll change your life. And he was like, yeah, it was good talking to you. And he left. Now, I wasn't saying that to, to put the guy in the spot or to make him feel bad. The point I'm making is, when you spend time with God, your heart will become like his. You will have no problem telling people what they need to know, and you won't mind identifying with him. Why? Because your heart becomes like his. 
But man, when your heart's not like his and you start to feel hesitation and, and you don't know what to say or what to do, and you, you see compromise seep in and all these things happening, man, you better check your heart because your heart's not in line with his. Look at Jeremiah 31, look at verse 31. This scripture, we try and get all those Hebrew Israelites, black Hebrew Israelites, and all these people to understand, the Old Testament could not make you righteous. The Old Testament was a law given to men, okay, that we were supposed to obey on stone tablets. But you see, God knew over time that that wouldn't last. What God wanted to change is the nature. First Timothy chapter one and verse nine says, that you know the law was not made for a righteous man. When people like to take me back to Moses, talking about what well, we need to follow the law of Moses, I take them back to Abraham and back to Adam. Adam was made in God's image and God's likeness. That was the original creation. Jesus came to bring back that which was lost. So that ought to tell you and I, okay, that God's plan was always that we would be made righteous. But these Hebrew Israelites, these self-righteous people, people want to bring you back to the old covenant and tell you if you don't stay in it, you'll go to hell. This is for you. Look at verse 31. He says, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I wasn't husband unto them, saith the Lord. So he says the Old Testament covenant, even though I gave it to them, they break that covenant anyway, and I was their husband. I was providing for them, I was giving them, I was doing all these things for them, but what was the problem? They had hard hearts. He says, but this shall be the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see what I'm saying? So it's a change of the heart. God's put his law in our hearts. God has given us hearing hearts. He softened the heart that the heart can feel what God feels, that the heart can hear what God hears, that the heart can do by nature what God has called him to do. Because if we can outwardly perform and the heart's not like God, there's only a matter of time before you and I backslide, before we become lukewarm, before we decide to go into sin and make excuses for it. We've got to guard the heart. The new covenant deals with the heart. It doesn't deal with just the mind. It doesn't just deal with religious works. It works with the heart. But in order for you and I to have hearing hearts, we've got to believe God. We need to be born again. We need a change of nature. We've got to give the body back to Christ. We've got to walk in the spirit that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because anything outside of that, just obeying laws, you may be a law keeper and breaker from time to time, but you will not be righteous without God's heart. Look at verse 34. And they shall teach no more, every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me 
from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. We're talking about being born again. We're talking about being heart to heart with God. He says that you won't have to tell people, remember the Lord or get to know the Lord. He says they will know me. Why? Because his law is written in their hearts, not on stone tablets, not on religious works, but the very change in nature that God wants us to have. God will make our heart his throne if we will just open up and let the Lord in. Obey him. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. He didn't say anything about feeling it. He didn't say anything about telling people about love. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And the only way we're going to do that is with hearing hearts. You can't obey what you don't hear. Okay, so that's what we need. That's the change. Now, notice um, in your spare time too, read Acts 7, all right, verses 20 through 60. That was when Stephen was laying out all the things from the Old Testament unto the New. And he called those people stiff hearted. You, because you people are stiff necked and hard of heart. You know, this is why you can't hear God. This is why the Holy Ghost won't land on you, because you resist the Holy Ghost. This is what Stephen told him. But he also mentioned something that Moses heard the words of the Lord one day while in captivity in Egypt, while being the, the Pharaoh's son. He heard the words of the Lord and the Lord told him to get up and to go outside and to look. And when Moses' heart obeyed the Lord, he saw that Egyptian beating the servant. I believe that this was the Lord giving Moses through the, through the opening of his heart revelation to show him Egypt is not a good place. Look at what the Egyptians do to people. Like you and I, look at what the world does to you. Look at how the world makes you an idolater. Look at how the, Lord, the, the world takes away the life of Christ and turns you into a slave. I believe that that was when Moses was able to see for the first time in his life because he heard the words of the Lord. What did he do? Slew the Egyptian. And, you know, because he saw the wickedness and he had to run for his life out of Egypt. And that's where he met the Lord. You and I have to be free of the world. We've got to be free of the desires of our own hearts and get in line with the heart of God. That's how we meet the Lord. That's how we stay in communion with him. It's a change of heart. But Stephen warned these people, you stiff necked, you stiff hearted and stony hearted people, you always resist the Holy Ghost. And that's why the Holy Ghost went and land on them. Now, when those men became pricked in their hearts, they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth, their teeth and stoned him, okay? And they stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear the truth because their consciences were seared. They didn't want the Lord, okay? They were hard of heart. And when that happened, they would not hear the Lord. They covered their ears and they stoned Stephen. And you see, that's what you'll become without the heart of God. You'll persecute those who are really following the Lord, okay? And, and you won't hear the words of God, which will make you an enemy of God. If we remove the idols from our lives and get in line with those things that God calls us to, then we will have hearing hearts. Man, hearken unto God and do what he tells you because he is our true source of life. Look at Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, and look at verse 7. 
and I want to read an article, two articles to you guys that you may identify what a hard heart is, because I believe the devil masks it well, you know, the heart being deceitful. I believe the devil will tell you a hard heart is if you kill somebody, a hard heart is if you commit an abortion, a hard heart is if, you know, you are just mean and nasty to people and you curse people out. They think that that's a hard heart, but a hard heart is a heart that won't hear nor obey God. And it's just that simple. That's a hard heart, okay? Look at Hebrews three, look at verse seven. He says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice. Notice how he says, as the Holy Ghost is speaking here, if, if today, if they will hear the voice of the Lord, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. So he's bringing them all the way back to Numbers 13 and 14 to make it clear to us why the children of Israel did not get into the land, because they had hard hearts. When God spake, they would not want to hear him. Okay, look at verse nine. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved that uh, with that generation and said, they do always error. They always error where? In their heart. And they have not known my ways. Look at this. They have not known his ways. Why? Because of their hearts. Their hearts are where they error. When God tells you to love him, they want the golden calf. They wanted manna. They wanted quail when God was providing for them. They missed the savory onions and garlic of Egypt, which is the world. And you see, because of that, they would not make it into the land. They weren't looking at God's heart. They were looking at those giants over there saying, they may kill us. So you see, their hearts were hard. They couldn't hear God because they erred in their heart. And because of that, they did not know his ways in verse 10. Look at verse 11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So you see, God is wrathful over idolaters. The Holy Ghost gets grieved when he speaks to us, but we won't obey. That's why it tells us not to frustrate the grace of God, not to grieve the spirit of God. He says in verse uh, 12, Take heed, brethren. Okay, he says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What happened to Solomon? He developed an evil heart of unbelief. Why? Because he put his heart in line with those strange women. Anything that you allow in your heart will attach itself to your heart. So he's telling us today, Paul is speaking from this time way back when, that he says, don't let an evil heart of unbelief be in us because it will depart us from the living God. He says, but exhort one another daily. That's what we're doing. While it is called today, while you hear the Lord's voice, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. So sin is deceitful. Sin doesn't always look like sin, but a hard heart will be deceived in what sin is. Why? 
because it cannot and will not hear the voice of God. It will not take God's word and says, you know, this is true. This is what I want to do. It will go beyond and it will do what it's doing. That's why I'm so excited about next week teaching called um, Secret Sins or Secret Faults and Presumptuous Sins, because these are the areas that can cause you and I to have hardness of heart. Look at verse, uh, verse 14. He says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So how can you and I be with Christ and be partakers of Jesus Christ? If we hold the beginning from the moment we got saved of our confidence and our love for God, steadfast, continuous, okay? And grounded and rooted unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved? Forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You can only do, guys, as we talked about before, that which you believe. That which you believe in, you will do. If you don't believe in it, you won't do it. Examples I've used in time past, stop paying your mortgage or your rent if you don't believe that they're going to move you out of your place. But you'll pay it because you know that the devil makes good on his promises. When you know you don't pay your creditors or do whatever you're supposed to do, your phone bill, your college education, whatever it is that you idolize and you go after, you believe those things. So therefore you pay for them. But when it comes to God's word, a lot of us can make excuse upon excuse. Why? Because of the hardness of our hearts. And we don't want that unbelief. We want to believe God. We want to test God. And I don't mean test him like, you know, see if he'll actually do something. No, you want to trust him through trials. You want to hear his instruction. When the Bible tells us to taste the Lord and see that he is good, it means to try God. It means to see that God is righteous. Go and believe and see if God won't keep up his part of the deal. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he can repent. God is God. And what God's word says will come to pass. The only difference with that is whether or not you and I believe it. Okay, so let's move on. Let's go to Romans chapter two. Romans chapter two, when you guys wait there uh, for me, I want to read this while people are still on. Okay, Romans chapter two. And this is called Characteristics of a Hardened Heart. You guys listen to this. Okay, it says counseling provides many opportunities to meet different people. The most significant differences between people are not their physical features, genders, ages, or various ethnicities. No doubt these are important pieces of information about your counselee, I guess. 
I don't think so. But the Bible puts more emphasis on a person's spiritual state, where your counselee is and their relationship with God, how they are responding to him and how much they love Jesus are crucial things to know to have an effectual counseling ministry. Uh, as a counselor, uh, you want to know general information about your counselee to assess their spiritual state. The spiritual state of your counselee determines your spiritual approach in counseling. Paul was clear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 14, and he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with, all, uh, with them all. Admonishment, encouragement, and appropriate help are ministry approaches that address different spiritual situations. So who is your counselee? Where is your counselee in his or her relationship with God? All right, I wanna skip past that. These are um, characteristics of a hardened heart. A hardened heart does not obey God. This is Exodus uh, 7, 13 through 22. This is the first and most obvious characteristic uh, perceived in the counselee with a hardened heart. He does not obey God. However, disobeying is not exclusive to a hard-hearted counselee. <laughs> uh, consider all the characteristics together uh, to get a better understanding of the hardened heart. Just as Pharaoh did not obey God in letting the people go from Egypt, the counselee with the hardened heart refuses to follow God's word. This is two. A hardened heart does not change after some relief in tough circumstances. It says immediately following the second plague, Pharaoh demonstrated the typical pattern of a hardened heart. After relief from tough circumstances, a counselee with a hardened heart does not change and uh, insist in the same way. They are not looking for an inner change, but outer relief. This is the third, the hardened heart does not recognize the finger of God. This is Exodus 8 and 19. Even the Egyptian uh, magicians uh, recognize the finger of God. Something was different. A person with a hardened heart does not recognize the spiritual realities around him. A hard-hearted person cannot see the way God is working in their situation. Even though uh, close family relatives and friends are telling him so. <laughs> this, and then you gotta be careful with that too because God can lead you on the right path, but some of these people will, you know, you can have family members that are the enemy of God that will turn you from the heart of God. This is four. A hardened heart might want something from God, uh, but does not hear God. At the end of the, of the different, I mean, at the end of the fourth plague, sorry, Pharaoh seems receptive to something different. Plead for me. However, his persistent denial of letting the people go reveals that while he might want something from God, like relief, he is not willing to hear God. Your counselee is looking for something. I risk saying that he is even looking for something from God. Of course, he looked for a biblical counselor. However, he is not willing to hear the whole counsel of God. So I, I also wanna um, 
make a point here too, that Pharaoh, the Bible will tell you that Pharaoh's heart was made hard. Okay, the Bible tells us this. And, and, and it says God hardened his heart. We must understand that God himself, exposure to God, is gonna give us two reactions. We're either gonna be pricked in our hearts and we're gonna melt like butter when applied to heat, or we're gonna get hard like clay. Pharaoh, what was in Pharaoh is what came out. Okay, look at verse five. A hardened heart expects the word of God to fail and does not recognize its faithfulness. It says, Pharaoh did not believe that the livestock of Israel would not die from the plague. He sent people to check in anticipation to see the failure of the word of God. Counselees with a hardened heart expect the word of God to fail. Uh, a hard-hearted counselee despises the warnings of scriptures as if uh, the word of God was not true. Usually there is an overemphasis on the mercy of God expecting his holy judgment to fail. That's true, because when you tell people about sin or you tell people about their lives, we can justify it and, you know, well, our Lord is merciful, you know, he loves, so I don't necessarily believe it. And what does that do? It gives you a hardened heart. What's the real reason you don't believe? You believe in God's mercy, but you don't believe in God's word. You know what that means? Lord, I'm gonna go straight away and do what I wanna do, but have mercy on me because after all, I love what I'm doing. That's what it's really all about. Look at six. A hardened heart remains hardened even under severe pain. Halfway through the plagues, Pharaoh is miserable and yet is still hardened. The situation is bad enough that the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. Hard-hearted counselees will not soften despite severe pain. Expect to see your counselee under severe pain and still stubborn is his sin. Stubbornness is his sin. This is seven. A hardened heart may even say the right words. This is Exodus 9 and 27. Just like Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 24 through 30, Pharaoh said the right words. I have sinned. These are the first words that every counselor dealing with stubborn sinners wants to hear. Is this the first step towards real change? It could be, but counselees with hardened hearts say the right words with no true intention to change. That's what we're gonna talk about tomorrow night. This is eight. A hardened heart does not recognize its chaos. In Exodus 10 and seven, it is quite interesting that Pharaoh's servants were ready to let the people of Israel go. They recognize that Egypt is ruined, but Pharaoh does not. The pain is severe. This is not. A hardened heart blames the messenger instead of recognizing the condition. Pharaoh gets angry, not with his sin, but with Moses and with God. A hardened heart blames the messenger of God instead of recognizing its own condition. That's true. That's why many times when, when I, um speak, you know, I'll teach. A lot of people get mad at me, but you'll hear me many times in teaching saying, is this Derek speaking or is this the Lord speaking? You know, you're reading it right out of the scriptures, but you know what? They don't like that you said it. You know, you confirm, so therefore I hate the messenger too. This is a hard heart. This is, um, this is 10. 
and this is the final one, a hardened heart will be broken beyond healing. That's true repentance. You know, we're gonna be talking about that too uh, tomorrow. Proverbs 29 and 11, how long? Uh, for how long will the hard-hearted counselee continue in his sin? We do not know. But just as God broke Pharaoh after 10 warnings, God has limited yet merciful patience. So God has limited patience, but he has merciful patience also. It says judgment is not immediate because God is merciful and gracious. However, judgment will come because God is holy and righteous. Judgment came for Pharaoh and will come for you, hard-hearted counselee, admonish the idol. So you see, it is up to us, it's up to the Lord tells us to sharpen one another up that we may get in line with God, you know? But these are all examples. So hopefully you guys take note. This will be in the description box so you guys can see this. And if we got time for one more article, I'll go there. But if not, let's just stick to what we're doing. Okay, so it says, look at Matthew, uh, I mean, no, it's Romans 2, sorry. Romans 2, guys, let's look at verse 1. Romans 2 and 1. He says, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgeth, for wherein thou judgest another, Thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So what is Paul saying? Pretty much that the sinner's most famous, you know, uh, scripture in the world, Matthew 7, judge not lest ye be judged, for when what manner of judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. He says, thou hypocrite, remove the beam out of thine own eye, that you might see the, or, or see the speck in your brother's eye, that you may judge righteously. Look at verse of two. It says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man that judgeth them, which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? For, uh, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. But if our hearts are hard, here's the other thing that can happen when we don't have hearing hearts. We can misjudge God. We can see God in a wrongful way because God is not doing what we want God to do. That's pretty backwards if God made us and we ought to yield to him. So you see, you can forget about God's goodness and his forbearance and his long suffering and knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repent. But you see, if we don't have hearts that are hearing and focused on God, then we're gonna look at God as no big deal. We'll take him for granted when really we should be hanging on to every word of God because after all, God is good. And not only is he good, man, he is, he is faithful and he is true. Look at verse five. He says, but after thy hardness and, and impenitent, like unwilling to change heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. 
to them who by uh, patient continuance and well-doing seek the glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, those who want to fight against the truth, those who don't want to hear God, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteous indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So we must understand God is righteous and his judgment, okay, is for anyone that is unrighteous. That's why we've got to repent, plead the, the blood of Jesus Christ and walk in the righteous ways of God. What does Sister Sarah, Tara say? I am grateful for repentance. Hey, you and I both, sister, okay? Because without it, you and I would be in serious trouble. Look at verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But there is no respect of persons with God. You know what a hard heart will do too? Will make you actually believe I'm a special favorite with God. So you see, I can do what most people can't do and I'll get away with it because after all, Lord, I am your servant. It says for those who will do righteous, God will bless. But for those who do wicked, the wrath of God waits upon them. But when you got a hard heart, you'll confuse the two and you won't care because you think you're a special person with God. But you know what? It says here in verse 11, but there is no respect of persons with God. A sinner is a sinner in God's eyes and a saint is a saint in God's eyes. Who you are makes no difference. And he goes on further. So when you spend time, read Romans 2. He'll break that down about what a true Jew is. A true Jew is one inwardly, not outwardly. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's go to Matthew 15. I'm gonna make a couple of points and I'm gonna close. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, and let's look at verse one. It says, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say uh, of his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And, and honor not his father and his mother, he shall be free. Thus uh, have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So you see the Pharisees thought because they were high and mighty, they could obey some of God's law, but not the others. So while they're asking Jesus, why do you transgress the law and not wash hands before you eat bread? Jesus is taking it in a bit deeper. Man, forget about what happens on the outside. Let's talk about your heart and how you feel you're excused because you think you're a keeper of the law. Look at verse seven, ye hypocrites. Uh, well, did Isaiah prophesy to you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain do they worship me, 
teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. So you see, that's why we need discernment. We need hearing hearts because some of us can fall so in love with the gospel and fall in love with people that tell you that they love Jesus, but everything about our lives can have nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus says, you can honor me and confess me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Mormons do this, Catholics do this, Jehovah Witnesses do this, prosperity gospel people do this. All these false groups out there that will tell you Jesus, 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 but their hearts are so far from Jesus because they don't even serve him. He says that they were hypocrites and he says, but in vain do they worship me, teaching doctrines and commandments of men. Where do you think Catholicism came from? It came from men, but what did they try and do? Incorporate a pope, bishops, and you know, uh, archbishops, and praying to Mary, and praying to all the saints, and bringing in Christmas, and bringing in you know, uh, Christmas and Easter, and you know, all these other days that they brought in, trying to have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So a lot of people will worship Jesus with their mouths in vain. But when it comes down to it, they don't serve him because they've got the wrong Jesus. Look at verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. So what is he looking for here? A hearing heart. He realized he couldn't do it with the stone-hearted religious folk. So now he's turning unto the multitude. He's turning to the common man. And he's telling them to hear and understand. What is that going to take? A hearing heart. Look at verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they uh, heard this saying? So let's get back to verse 11. Jesus says, That which come out of a man defileth the man, out of his mouth. And why is that? Because Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. When people will say, oh, I was just angry. I just said this. Or I was feeling in the spirit is why I said it. But it had nothing to do with God or serving God. Their hearts are not right. Out of the abundance of the heart, they spoke. You want to know what's in someone's heart? Listen to them speak. Okay? That's all you've got to do. Listen to yourself speak and you'll see what you're made of. All right, hey, brother Roy Matt, didn't know Ronnie Coleman was a Christian. You're a funny guy. I don't know if you're you know, complimenting me or you're insulting me, but either way, it doesn't matter. So anyway, look at verse 12. And then came the disciples unto Jesus. The disciples came unto him and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended? after they heard this saying, but he answered and said, every plant uh, which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Uh, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So you see what we're talking about here? If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Now you see, you can't just be blind of sight. You can be blind of understanding. You can be blind of heart, which we're going to talk about in a second. But he says that every tree or every plant that is not rooted in Christ will be rooted up. 
Okay, then he says to leave them alone because if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into the ditch. Look at verse 15. Then answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus says, are they also yet, are ye also yet without understanding? Uh, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. A.A. Allen once talked about idle words. He wrote this in his book and we did a teaching on it about a year ago. But the thing that we want to understand is that idle words, you know, um, we look at them like they're no big deal, but we're gonna be judged according to everything that comes out of our mouths. That's why we need purity of heart. That's why we need to love the Lord. We need a change of nature. You need Christ in you to walk this thing out because you see, you can outwardly perform. I know people in the Baptist church that I grew up with that outwardly performed for years, but it didn't bring their hearts any closer to Jesus. They're still walking in religion, still not following everything that God says. Why? Because of the hardness of heart. You've got to become one with Christ. You've got to hear Christ. You've got to do what Jesus calls you to do to be a Christian. You need Christ in you to get the job done. So he says, look at verse 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not the man. Man, Jesus knows how to lay it all out so that we may understand what this whole thing is about. The Lord wants us to be able to hear him. He wants us to be able to obey him. Because you see, out of the heart comes murders. Some people think I murdered him because I got mad. No, murder was in your heart. I committed adultery because she looked good and no one was around and I got tempted and somehow I just did it. No, adultery was in your heart. Jesus says, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you have already committed the act. Fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies, these things come out of the very heart, which is why we need hearing hearts. We need understanding hearts. We need a heart after Christ to do the things of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, let's move on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Hey, Brother Wes, hope all is well, man. <laughs> he said, I had no idea either. Funny guy. <laughs> but anyway, 1 Corinthians 10, let's look at verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. 
So what we understand is they all left Egypt the same. They all took the same oath. They all believed the same thing at this time. And they all drank from that spiritual rock, which was Christ. Look at verse five. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Now remember, God was pleased with Solomon at one point because Solomon desired a hearing heart. He desired a connection with the Lord. But then when Solomon began to go after strange women and marry them and worship and serve their gods, his heart turned from the Lord. So God is not well pleased with them for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, you know, the wilderness is definitely a place where we get tested of the Lord because it's a barren land, but the wilderness is also your soul. Where does the devil try and fight and contend with you and I? Not in the flesh, it begins in the soul. It begins in your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. If the devil can entice you in the wilderness or in your very soul, he can get you to do what he wants because after all, in this barren land, you're not trusting God. You're trusting in what you can see, what you can hear, what you can taste, touch, and smell, which makes you subject to the matrix. You will follow after what your senses lead you to and not the words of God. Look at verse six. Now, these things were our examples. Why is Paul bringing it up? They're examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters. Idolatry, I believe, is going to be the number one thing that is going to send most people to hell. Look at the word idolater if some people don't understand what that means. This is G1496. And it says an idolater is a worshiper of false gods and idolater used of anyone, even Christian participant in any way, in the worship of the heathen, especially one who attends their sacrificial feast and eats of the remains of offered victims. Now, some people could say, that was close, so I'm not an idolater. Look at two, a covetous man as a worshiper of mammon. It says a worshiper of images, a servant of or worshiper, literally or figuratively, an idolater. So how many of us worship mammon? How many of us worship the things of this world? How many of us worship sports? You see, this is what we're talking about. We are speaking about what's in the very heart. That's what we gotta be aware of. That's an idolatry. If you love anything more than Christ, if Christ ain't really living and walking in us, we're all idolaters. There's still areas in our lives that keep us from being full and having Christ dictate what we do. People don't like it, I don't care, it's the truth. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So you see, this is what was in the people's hearts. The second they could take a load off, the second they found quiet, they didn't reverence God, they ate and drank and they rose up to play. Look at verse eight. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. So we're not just talking physical fornication here. There is spiritual fornication that we've got to pay attention to. Okay, that which we are intimate with, if it's not God, it is fornication. Look at verse nine. 
neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So one thing about a hardened heart is, you know, or a heart that doesn't hear God, you will murmur and complain. You know why? You refuse to see the big picture. You're not seeing what God is telling you to see. You're not feeling what God is telling you to feel. Verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples or in samples as they are written for our admonition, for our warning upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So we have to learn to take heed and don't think we've got this thing figured out. Don't think our hearts are free from everything. That's why it tells us to guard our hearts in Proverbs 4 and 23 with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. We've got to guard our hearts, okay? Because if we think we stand, if we think we got this thing figured out, if we think we've heard all the sermons out there and all the scriptures we know and all the warnings, we will fall. We must continue to hear the voice of God. We must continue to follow Jesus Christ and do what he wants. Instruction on a moment's notice, being in, you know, instant with him. Look at verse 13. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So you see, God don't want us to fall back in the downslide. God always tells us what the truth is. Why? He tells us the truth because he doesn't want us falling into temptation. Hey, Sister Latoya. So we've got to end up in this place with the Lord where we can hear God, where we are connected to him because God will always make a way of escape. Temptations are going to come. But what causes you and I to backslide are not the temptations. It's what's in the very heart. God will always make a way. Hey, it's not too late to tell them you don't want to see them. It's not too late to get your butt up off this bed and go home. It's not too late, you know, to put down whatever and spend time with me. But you see, it's all what's in the heart. Those who escape, they want to serve the Lord. Lord, I don't know how I got over here. I'm not supposed to be here. Lord, I got no desire to sin against you. Lord, get me out of here. Or you'll even say, man, let me get up and go. Yeah, it was cool. You know what? I'll see you later. I'm not going to be drinking. I'm not going to be doing any of that. I got to go. But you see, if it's in your heart to be a drinker, if it's in your heart to be a fornicator, if it's in your heart to desire things that are against God, you're going to do it by nature. That's why we must be born again because God will always make a way of escape, but it's whether or not we truly want to obey God. Look at Ephesians chapter four. And if I got, I think I'm just gonna take a minute to look at this real quick. Uh, this is five ways to tell if you have a hard heart. Sometimes some articles will have things that you know, we'll miss others. So I just want to make sure everybody's got this. This one is pretty good. I'm going to put this on in the description box, maybe 20 minutes after it's uploaded. But it says, uh, this is one example. You don't feel like talking to anyone. 
<laughs> we have uh, spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. Uh, we are not withholding our affection from you, but uh, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. That's 2 Corinthians 6, those who won't hear the gospel pretty much, those who are dealing with things but won't seek the Lord. Hey, Brother Timothy. So anyway, here's the next one, because I don't have a lot of time to get into this. The next one is, everyone's advice seems bad to you. He says, but again, the magicians of Egypt use their magic and they too turn water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted, Pharaoh returned to his place and put the whole thing out of his mind. Okay, so you won't even receive good advice. It all seems negative. Uh, Derek Prince has a teaching on how negative thinking can, um, what did he say? Negative thinking can be demonic, how it can lead you away from the Lord. This is three, you're unable to love anyone. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will wax cold because iniquity shall abound in the, in the um, King James Version. The love of many will wax cold. Paul says that those who are self-loving, self-loving is not a healthy heart and it's not a hearing heart for God. Self-loving is, you know, really an idolater. You're a self-idolater and it'll keep you from hearing what God wants because you want to focus on what you want. So you can't even love anyone. You know, you'll see people going to hell and walk right by them, even though you've got the gospel. Why? You don't have a hearing heart. You've got a hard heart. This is four. You can't get happy for anyone's success except your own. Now, this is one I know too well. And I'm going to uh, say this. And hopefully, Sister Sarah is listening, but this is true. We first got into ministry, you know, and, and uh, her and I, the Lord put this thing together through us. The funny thing that happened was I became so intrigued with what I was learning and what I would hear my teachings. That's the only thing I was interested in. I remember messaging Sister Sarah and saying, man, this lesson was good. You know, the one that, you know, I did, you know, or whatever. And, and Sister Sarah's teaching would come up and I wouldn't even mention it. Sister Sarah would even mention something on, on what she spoke about. And I'd be, yeah, you know, that was good. But yeah, but you should see the one that I did. You know, the Lord has to remove that from me because you see, if you're only interested in what suits you, if you're only interested in what you're hearing of yourself and what you are, you're a self-idolater, no doubt about it. Because you can't hear anybody else's words. You can't hear, you don't even like to see anybody else's succeed or growth. You'll, you'll tear them down to puff yourself up. That's a hard heart. So you can't even get happy for anybody else's success unless it's yours. I'm telling on myself, but you know what? Confession is good for the soul. Praise the Lord. Why can I say it today? Because I'm not that way anymore. At least I pray not. Lord, take more from me. This is five. You don't feel anything about the stuff you should. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness 
or the blindness, as the King James Version says, of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, uh, they they have given themselves over to sensuality so um, as to indulge in every kind of impurity with an intent, uh, with a continual lust for more. Now, you know, that's not the New Testament, but this is so true. This is so true that we can be blind in our hearts to not follow God because of what we're feeling. So we've got to get our hearts and our minds and our souls in line with the Lord to serve the Lord. I was going to go to Ephesians chapter four, but we go there all the time. So, um, and it was actually said here, but these are things that we need to pay attention to. We cannot have blind hearts. We've got to have hearing hearts. A hearing heart is not just one that hears the voice of God. It understands the voice of God. It, It desires to do what God calls him to. To say that God is right no matter what, no matter what he tells me, God is right even if my flesh don't like it. That's a hearing heart. But for a heart that says, well, that depends. It depends on your interpretation of it. I think this bald boob is just taking things a little bit too far. I think that, you know, you can see it in terms of love and God will allow you to grow and you can do what God says on God's time. You see, when you deal with stuff like that, always the people that got hard hearts will always tell you it it takes time, brother. It takes time and God's grace to grow. But yet they're not seeking God. They're doing what they want to do. So this tells you something about the hard heart. Like they told us in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why you and I need to have the heart and the mind of Christ that we can pursue Jesus Christ and have Christ living in us to do the works of Christ. So that's the lesson for tonight, guys, about the hard heart. And I just wanna say to people out there who may be listening in that are struggling and dealing with things, this even applies to myself. If you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is still time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways. Desire Jesus Christ, Uh, plead the blood of Christ over your sins and asking for forgiveness. Believe that he is coming back for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Believe that he died and buried and was resurrected, and believe that he is the only true way to be saved, okay? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Hebrews 4 and 12. So we've got to give it over to Jesus, spend time with Jesus, Move the things out of your life that are keeping you from drawing closer to Jesus, that your heart may be like him. Get into his word, get baptized, serve him with a fervent desire that he may do all things that we need, okay? Give it over to the Lord and the Lord will do what he needs to do with this vessel. He'll give you a new heart and a new vessel to house the spirit to do the works of Christ. So that's the lesson for tonight. If this has been a um, blessing to you, subscribe to the channel. If you're a first time listener, you know, welcome. You know, send the word out. And I also want to share too, Pass the Prices and Maisha Hunter's book, The Organic Gospel. This is a great tool for learning, a great tool for growth in Jesus, that you'll learn that the gospel is organic. Give things over to Jesus Christ 
okay, and, in, and enter into an organic relationship with the Lord by being a partaker of his spirit and getting into his word, okay? So this book is 19, oh, no, not 19, sorry, 1395, okay? It's got 123 pages in it. You can get it at the Organic Gospel uh, website, which is www.theorganicgospel.net, okay? So from there, guys, let's go into prayer, and we are going to conclude from there. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. I thank you, Lord, for the communion, Lord, and the fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for the words that may penetrate the hearts, and even my heart, Lord, that we may walk in your ways. And if I have said anything tonight that is not in accordance with your heart, Lord, I pray for your forgiveness that I may get right with you and repent. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you watch over my sister Tara's sister, that you heal her from her cancer. I pray in Jesus' name that you dissolve those tumors, that she may walk with you, Lord, and be totally righteous for you as a vessel fit unto honor and unto every good work. I thank you, Lord, over the healing of my brother-in-law, Randy. I thank you for Heather, Heather and Gary, Lord, that you bless them and watch over them, that you watch them that you pour into your spirit with them, that they lack absolutely nothing. I thank you, Lord, for my dad saying that the prayer over his eye, that that tumor that's over his eye is beginning to dissolve. Lord, who can do this? Only Jesus, only Jesus in your precious name, Lord, I thank you for what you are doing. And I thank you, Lord, for any other brother and sister out there struggling, plead your blood over their lives that if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us for all, from all unrighteousness. And I thank you for Pastor Price. I thank you for Brother Rashid. I thank you for Coach P, Sister Naima, and all those out there, Sister Tan, Sister Tara, all those who support this ministry, Sister Dawn, Brother Randy, Sister Sarah, for all those who get it, for all those who wanna be vessels fit unto honor. I pray in Jesus' name that you give them a heavy anointing that you pour into their spirit. Sister Latoya, Sister Shadante, Brother Daryl, so many, Lord, brothers and sisters, and I don't want to miss one. But Lord, I just thank you for them, Lord. I thank you that they can hear. I thank you that you've given them hearing hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you release these funds for Dunamis Tabernacle. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that your righteous will be done. I thank you for Sister Barbara. I thank you for the worship team. I thank you for all those that are doing your will, Lord. And I thank you for all those who have the potential to, that all they need to do is hear and give all things over to you. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, that's gonna, uh, let's see. He was wounded for our transgressions. All right, brother um, Michael. Sister Naima, thank you for being on tonight. Brother Timothy, uh, brother Raw Matt. Let's see, Sister Latoya, Sister Tara, uh, brother Timotheus, I think I did say already. Uh, brother Wes. 
Let's see. Just don't want to miss anyone. Brother Daryl, Sister Teresa in Texas, still praying for you, sister, and your family. You know, and I just thank you, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters. Uh, tomorrow night's teaching will be called Sackcloth and Ashes. You guys do not want to miss that one because we're going to be talking about repentance. Brother Randy was on tonight, too. So I just want to say with that, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. Don't forsake your prayer closets. Draw close to the Lord, and he will give us hearts to hear and minds to understand. So I just want to say with that, guys, I love you, at least until tomorrow night. Have a good night.